It is, it is good to worship with you, brothers and sisters. Uh, a couple housekeeping items I'd put before you and uh, just items of prayer. Uh, please be in prayer for the family of Clint Fisk. Clint uh, passed away this last week. Clint was a regular attender of Lakewood for a number of years, and we had a celebration of life yesterday here at our facilities. And uh, as a family, we pray for those who hurt. So please be in prayer for that family. Uh, please also be in prayer for our LSM student ministry. Uh, we don't know where they are right now. Uh, we know they're somewhere in Duluth, probably, um, and we hope the Lord is sustaining and protecting them. But our great desire in prayer is that God would shape the young people of our church to be a faithful next generation of uh, faithful followers of Christ. So be in prayer even as they come back this afternoon. Well, I'll, I'll ask that you grab a copy of the scriptures if you haven't already and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll be in verses 9 through 17. We continue our series on the character of the church this morning, and we consider a characteristic and trait that might not only be foreign, a foreign concept to many of us, but can often be one that we simply dislike or struggle to know how to practically live out. The title of our sermon this morning is The Scattered Church. The Scattered Church. We considered last week how we are a gathered church, how we tangibly, physically, literally come together in unity, in service, and in love. Now, now we seem to be saying something totally contrary, the scattered church. What I would like us to see is, like many teachings of Scripture, that more than one thing can be true at the same time. There is a tension and a reality between our gathering and our scattering. Both are true. Our main idea, our main point this morning is simply this. Faithful followers of Christ leverage their lives. We leverage our lives. What we mean by that is that each of us has been given a unique and specific life. A life with certain gifts, experiences, baggage perhaps, relationships, and a role. A role to play, to bring, to, to really live a life that seeks to bring God glory. So there is a sense in which when we gather as a local body, as a local church, we gather to scatter. We gather to scatter into the lives that we have. And we go off into the lives in community that God has given each of us, doing all things to honor him as we seek to reproduce faithful followers of Christ. Well, Peter writes this letter to a bunch of Christians, just like you and I, a people that he calls in chapter 1, elect exiles. A people who have been born again in relationship to Christ and his gospel. People who have a hope for another life, another home. He says, you know that your best life is not this one, it's the next one with him. The people that Peter is writing to, he says, are living stones. 
that are building up a spiritual temple in the body of Christ. A people who may have a physical address and put their heads down to sleep in places like Pontus or Galatia or Asia or Brainerd or Baxter, but their real home is with Christ. And Peter is kind. Peter is kind and he gives us four descriptions of our scattered state and how we can be faithful in the life that he's given us. So would you read with me, please, verses 9 through 17 in chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Well, as I said, Paul, uh, Peter rather, gives us four descriptions of our scattered state. And the first is this. We are scattered, but secure. Get this directly from verses 9 and 10. You see, in contrast to those who reject Jesus, the cornerstone of verse 7, in contrast to those who stumble, reject, and disobey God and his word, the people of God. The people of God are faithful followers of Christ, and they are secure. How does Peter describe scattered Christians? who are each living for Jesus in this world, trying to make the best of it, shooting from the hip, perhaps. Encountering trial, encountering opposition, and even maybe just encountering a tough Monday morning from time to time. How does Peter describe these Christians? How are we described? Peter pulls in verses 9 and 10 some Old Testament language for us. We see in verse 9, we are a chosen race. Direct quote from Isaiah 43.20. Well, you're, you're not just a chosen race. He says you are a royal priesthood. You're a priest. 
a direct quotation from Exodus 19.6. A chosen race, the royal priesthood, and a holy, holy nation. A direct quote from Deuteronomy 7.6. And better yet, you were a people. Well, rather, you were not a people. And you've become God's people. You had no mercy. But now, but now you have received mercy. A direct quotation of Hosea 2.23. Language originally used for the nation of Israel is now being applied and used to describe the New Testament church. These scattered Gentile believers in the first century. Much can be said and has been said about the relationship between Israel and the church. But what is most central to Peter's point? What do believers living their lives scattered to different locations, different family settings, and different circumstances, different circumstances, what, what do they need? What do we need most centrally? They need to know who they are in Christ, that they're secure. Brothers and sisters, Peter is telling his readers, he's telling you and I, that we are secure in our scattering in Christ. In Christ, regardless of ethnicity, we are a chosen race. A people united, not by skin color, not by culture, not even by sexual expression. We are a new people, a new race, the body of Christ, the church. A chosen race. And we are a royal priesthood, he says. Because we are connected to the royal one. Christ the King. And we are not passive as priests. No. We're active participants. Participants in worship. Our worship is not like that of the Old Testament. Priests who worshipped by bringing animal bloody sacrifices. Our worship, according to Romans 12, is a sacrifice of our entire life. Everything we do, everything that you do is an act of worship. We are not just worshipers, but a holy nation. We are sanctified, redeemed, and a changed people who are growing in Christ-likeness, in our obedience as faithful followers. And in completion to the words of Hosea, we too are a people who were outside the mercy and the people of God. But now, but now in Christ, we have received mercy and we are his people. Praise God. And I know you're from like northern central Minnesota, but there is a sense in which there should be an excitement. There should be a, 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 an eruption of praise and thanksgiving for who God is and what he's done. And since you're from Minnesota, I'll just know that's happening in the heart right now. <laughs> but praise God, you are scattered but secure. So as you go, as you scatter from here and live your life, yes, your life, as you go out and encounter struggle, disappointment, difficulty, a contrary word and hard, deep hurt in life. Yeah, you are scattered. But you are secure in Christ. Preach this to yourself every day. Never forget 
who you are if you have trusted, believed, and been given a new heart in Christ. Oh, he is good. He is good. But next, I want to point out here that we're not merely secure, but we're scattered. Scattered but saintly. Scattered but saintly. And I did what I never do, and I have alliterated all these points. But notice verses 11 and 12. These are interesting verses. We are told to abstain from sin, from passions in our flesh that wage against our soul. Brothers and sisters, time and time again, we find in the scriptures that our great battle is in our own hearts. Your greatest issue is inside yourself, not outside. Your greatest fight in warfare in this world is not against the political party you don't like. It's not against a culture that is contrary to Christ. You are not at war with the culture. Your great warfare, Peter says, is the passions and the evil that reside in us. That's our warfare. Children, abstain from dishonoring your parents, even when they mess up. Teens, abstain from seeking joy from everything but Jesus. He satisfies. Adults, abstain from your self-centeredness that robs you and the church around you. So Peter comes and he says, keep your conduct honorable. A more literal translation would actually be beautiful. It's the same word we find in Luke 21.5 where the temple is described as having goodly, noble, honorable, or beautiful stones on it. Peter says, keep your conduct beautiful. Live in such a way that your life is a beautiful picture of being a faithful follower of Christ. So beautiful, so noble, in fact, that when the evil world around you would see your life, your faith in action, that they would glorify God because of it. Peter doesn't come in and command us to demonstrate a moral superiority in judgment or to pull out of this world in some kind of isolation. He urges us to live a beautiful life joyfully pursuing holiness, abstaining from the passions of the flesh, obeying the word of God, showing the world what it means to be a faithful follower of Christ. You are not called, brothers and sisters, to a life of do's and don'ts. You are not called to a boring life of dutiful, dry following of God. You are called to beauty, to holiness, to purity, and to love, to a life that puts the beauty of Christ on display. A life that demonstrates that Jesus is enough. But did you notice what Peter called us? It's a little derogatory, I think. Look at verse 11 again. Sojourners and exiles? You may have a translation that says temporary residents and foreigners, or exiles and strangers, even pilgrims perhaps. Peter reminds his readers that they are scattered. 
not just geographically as they represent different neighborhoods, different cities and locations, but they are scattered because as Paul says in Philippians 3, they are citizens of another world. Their true allegiance and citizenship resides with Christ in heaven. Do we live, Lakewood? Do we live as though we are just temporary residents and foreigners? Or do we functionally live as though this world is the ultimate residence and resting place of our hearts? Can I confess the latter far too often? Do you ever look around at this world and just get the feeling or sensation that you don't belong here? Both aliens and strangers have the idea that we belong somewhere else. That they have no permanent residence. That they don't hold positions of power or privilege. What's interesting is that Peter is telling Gentile Christians that they are aliens among other Gentiles, non-Jews. Now that they have a new heart, a new eternal home, they live and act differently than even people that, that they are biologically and socially connected to. Faithful followers of Christ hold loose to the things of this world because their new saintly identity and their trajectory has something so much lasting and something so much more fulfilling. We are scattered, but saintly, brothers and sisters. In our scattering, we are secure and saintly, and in addition, we are scattered, but subject. Verses 13 through 15 here, and if I was smart, I would skip these verses. But I'm not. So here we go. Perhaps... Perhaps a concern in your mind or a critique from those from the outside, some may understand our scattering, our eternal allegiance to Christ as some kind of neglect or engagement and responsibility of the world that we live in today. If we are so heaven-minded, does that mean that we abandon the very world and system and life that God has placed us into? Of course not. We are scattered and saintly. We are aliens, sojourners, and strangers, but we have something to do. Okay, okay, good, Peter. Look how quiet it's gotten here. Okay, good, Peter. This was getting a little too spiritual for me. Peter seemed to set aside too much of the things of this world. Tell me, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do with the government. Have you seen the memes, Peter, online? Have you checked the Twitter feed? Have you seen what Fox and CNN are saying? Peter, what should we do? What should we do in light of being secure in Christ? What should we do about, yes, being scattered but saintly? Verse 13. Submit. Be subject to every human institution. That's kind of an odd word. It literally says, be subject to every human creature. 
Whether it's emperors or governors, put yourself under them. And I do not know of a more charged topic in our culture today than this one. Whether it's COVID, Supreme Court nominees, spending of tax dollars, social issues such as gender, abortion, or racial divides, we swim in a soup of American culture marked by independence, outrage, and flat-out disrespect for anyone who disagrees with us. Peter does say in verse 14 that the role of the government is to punish evil and to support or praise good. The problem is we live in a world where no one can agree on what is good and evil. So Peter, what do we do? Here's how one commentator wrote on this. Peter was not naive about the potential for corruption or even those who were evil and held political power. He knew all too well about the depravity of those who wielded authority in Rome and Palestine. And yet, he tells his readers without hesitation to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether emperors or kings, and to honor them. When Peter wrote this letter, Nero was the emperor of Rome, and he was using Christians' bodies as torches to light the city of Rome at night. Nero also claimed to be God. Be subject? Even when we are alarmed with policy? Brothers and sisters, we are called to a baseline honoring and respect for the ones God has placed in civil authority over us. We pray for leaders as we are commanded. But if you needlessly, maliciously, gracelessly smear people made in the image of God, just as the world does, you're missing it plain and simple. Oh, I get it. It's a joke. But are you really joking? Can we not both passionately disagree and show honor? Can we not both passionately disagree and show honor? This forces us to consider a phrase in verse 13. Look at it again. Be subject for the Lord's sake. We are to be subject under the authority of emperors of this world for the Lord's sake. And being subject for his sake has some positive implications. Verse 15. Verse 15 tells us that our beautiful life, even our doing good and honoring those that we think are flat, wrong, or evil, it puts to silence ignorant, foolish people. Probably the same ignorant, foolish people of verse 12 that were speaking poorly of faithful followers. Brothers and sisters, your testimony your faithfulness and Christ-like response to the emperors of our day glorifies Christ. We may be a scattered people, but we still show dignity and recognition as we are subject. Now, don't get it twisted. The subjecting 
and submission of faithful followers of Christ to leaders of this world in a scattered life never requires blind obedience. Any commentator, theologian, pastor, any faithful follower of Christ will agree that when the demands of government threaten the demands of God and a Christian's life, then there's a, there's a civil disobedience. There's a readiness to say no to unbiblical commands. As we read in Acts, we should follow the example that says, I'm going to obey God rather than man. But here Peter comes and says, submit, be subject. You don't think Peter read Daniel? You don't think he knew about that civil disobedience? You know, it was Peter in Acts 4 and 5 who, when he was proclaiming the truth of God's word, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was commanded by governing authorities to keep his mouth shut, it was Peter who said, I obey God rather than man. And yet he comes here and he says, be subject for the Lord's sake. Show honor. We never, ever compromise our core value of being shaped by biblical living when the explicit commands of our emperors and governors contradict the explicit commands of our Savior Jesus, we side with Jesus every single time. Our ultimate subjection is to Christ. Peter is not speaking out of both sides of his mouth here. He's saying that our subjection to Christ ultimately and our subjection to the emperor and governors of our day, both are true. Both are true. Well, no one threw anything. So let's, let's move on to the next one. We are scattered, brothers and sisters. You know it. We're scattered but secure, scattered but saintly, scattered but subject. And lastly, we are scattered but serving. I'll give this directly from verses 16 and 17. There's a lot of freedom in the Christian life. As the hymn says, we have no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in us. But in our freedom... In our scattered state, in the reality that Christ has not come back yet, in the midst of a world and culture that bends our hearts more towards self than to Jesus, Peter tells us to live as a servant of God and not a master of self and preference. In context of what we read about in our subjecting, the idea Peter is most likely getting to in 16 and 17 is this. We are not to use our freedom in Christ as a fake excuse for disobeying governors and authorities in our day. You and I are to avoid disobeying leaders simply because we don't like them or it is abrasive to our preferences rather than because it actually causes us to live contrary to biblical conviction. These verses force us to carefully ask and consider, am I living by the scriptures? Am I being asked to live contrary to the scriptures? Have I? Have I really, like a Berean, prayed and studied it through? 
Do I really understand the word of God? How does a scattered, faithful follower of Christ serve God in the unique life that they've been given? They serve. Look at verse 17 again. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Whenever I leave the house, I always tell my children to honor the emperor, their mother. But what might this look like for us this week? How might we apply this and to be people who serve even though we're scattered? Perhaps it would look like this. Young person. Verse 17 says, honor everyone. Young person. Honor your elders. Be polite and offer a helping hand. Old person, show honor to young people made in the image of God. Give them a chance. Show honor to people who are different from you, which, which means that I have to show honor to people from Wisconsin. Well, how about love the brotherhood? Love the brotherhood, Lakewood. Love the brotherhood by serving the people of God. Serve. Love the brotherhood by using your gifts, your time, and your money to see the gospel go out. Because we are scattered. We are aliens and residents and pilgrims. This is not our home. So we leverage. And we love the brotherhood by actually investing into relationships and valuing men, women, and children. But he says we also fear God. So perhaps we need to fear God and turn away from pride and self-sufficiency. Perhaps you and I need to fear God and put to death the chronic sin that you just won't let go. Perhaps we need to fear God and put every area of our life under His Lordship and not our Lordship. This last phrase, honor the emperor. Honor the emperor by praying for their depravity to be curbed by grace. I have an opportunity in May here to go down to the state capitol, and I was invited as a pastor to open up the Bible, to read, and to pray with legislators. You think I'm going to do that? Yep. Because I honor the emperor. Because both sides, they desperately need to have hearts that are curbed by grace and shaped by the gospel. So honor the emperor by respectfully disagreeing and even taking action against ungodly legislation. Honor the emperor. Brothers and sisters, honor the emperor by speaking of them as people who are made in the image of God, who equally need grace, forgiveness, a new heart, and eternal life in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Honor them. Lakewood, we are scattered, but we serve. We are servants of God by obeying the two great commandments. 
to love God and to love our neighbor. We use the life God has given us as a gift. An opportunity to walk in freedom of knowing that we are secure. That we live saintly as faithful followers. And that we are even subject to and engage with civil authorities. And we see all of it, all of it, as an act of worship, as a sacrifice, and a service. Because faithful followers of Christ leverage their lives. Would you pray with me that God would help us to do that this week? Father, we pray a big prayer. We pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would so change and shape our hearts that yet while we are scattered and living this life and trying to figure out that we would know tangibly the presence of God and a manifestation of the Spirit of God in our life, God, would you help us to be a people that are marked by deep security and love in Christ. God, that our security would give way to saintliness, holiness, purity, that we would be a shining light in a dark place, that we would see our world transformed as we live and display and speak the gospel. Father, would you help us to be subject, to show honor, respect, and dignity to those you've placed over us, to pray fervently that your grace would reach all people, emperors and governors, stay-at-home moms, plumbers, Lord, people who come in our community, people we rub shoulders with, would your grace reach them all? And Lord, would we serve in a real, tangible way? Father, please do all these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.